yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Caville, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they can press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot loud. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Camille with Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. I'm back in the house, baby. Did y'all have fun while I was gone, man? Y'all look like y'all were having some good old conversation about HBCU sports coach. I'll tell you about my trip after the show. I'm not going to let y'all bait me into too much of that talk right now. Because uh, I have some good stuff off the record. It was good. It was a good trip. I will say this part of the business trip, uh, that we are moving forward collectively about bringing some HBCUs to the Bahamas. And we'll leave it at that until we can get some more information, finalize some things. But it looks like it's getting a little closer. So with that, Charles, let me start with you. How are you doing? I saw you in front of the ship. You lead the ship well. You led the ship well, I should say. I appreciate you letting me. Jump on and share a little bit about my space in the Bahamas. How you doing? I'm doing well, Dr. Bill. You look tan, rested. You got got the work done over there in the Bahamas. Uh, and me and Mike, we held it down over here. <laughs> I know y'all did. I know y'all did. Mike, how you doing? Uh, doing good, Doc. Uh, how you doing? We held it down. We tried to. I didn't, knowing I didn't have anybody that could shut my mic off. Uh, man, it was. We had. Just, <laughs> When the cat, what they what do they say when the cat's away? <laughs> all day. <laughs> when the cat's away all day. I should have known. I should have known. Boy, and that that's pretty good. It's pretty good. With that being said, let me jump right into it. This is Doctor Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. Welcome to episode one sixty six of Inside the HBC Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast. The show that's covering the Sporting HBCU diaspora, all things HBCU sports for institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture and HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to our KSOH 1230 AM studios with Texas Radio Hall of Famer. That is Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Got a lot going on today's show. will be a good one as we'll discuss just the latest in HBCU news. A lot going on in so many different directions. We'll see what is in the house and what direction you want to go to. Well, with that being said, let me let me let me take it this way. No, I'm, I'm gonna let y'all. I'm gonna stay with you all. I'm gonna stay with you. I'm gonna go to Mike. What's on your mind, Mike? 
Well, uh, we got lots of news. Uh, some of it we tried to get to this past week, but uh, J.R. Smith has enrolled at North Carolina A&T and wants to play for the golf team, evidently. So nearly two de- decades after skipping college to go to the NBA, J.R. Smith is headed to an HBCU. Smith is now an Aggie. He has enrolled in North Carolina A&T University, one of the best liberal studies programs uh, around is at A&T. So we congratulate him on that. Uh, he is along with his brethren, uh, Chris Paul, who uh, attends Winston State Salem University. Smith is part of a crew of NBA stars who played in a charity game alongside Chris Paul uh, at Winston Salem University Gay, uh, CE Game Center during the twenty uh, during the in the most recent NBA lockout. So um, he's ha- he has lots of comments, but he seems very very excited to start his next endeavor. So. Uh, Smith hopes to play for the, the golf team. Not sure how what his handicap is. He said he's learned the game from uh, pro basketball Hall of Famer Moses Malone, evidently. So oh, wow. we'll see. Yeah, that's pretty big. I, I got to get Charles's perspective on this. I'm sure he might be thinking about coming out of retirement. You know, you know, retiring one sport, one business, and be like, I want to go screw it up. He gonna go back and see if he got some eligibility to come out. Wave with me this. I want to pick up the golf club. This should be dangerous. One of the best liberal study programs is at A&T, and it just so happens that I got deep roots in Carolina with Chris Paul, CJ Paul, in quote, Smith told WFMY, quote, after that, things started trickling down. I like that. Yep. So many ways. What are your thoughts on this? You know, especially the golf part of it. I, I just, I really wanted to hear what Charles had to say that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I know J.R. Smith, he's an avid golfer, uh, along with uh, quite a few uh, NBA players, Steph Curry uh, being the most notable one right now in terms of golfing. But uh, it was very interesting for him to mention uh, Moses Malone. He learned a game from Moses Malone. And I remember uh, back when the uh, late great Moses Malone was uh, playing around here, boy, he could drive the ball. So, you know, I, I, uh, a lot of those guys, they, they have that, that great hand-eye coordination with, with regards to basketball and they're able to transfer those skills over to golf. So, uh, I mean, it's just one of those games, once you pick it up and, and that, that golf bug bites you, uh, it, it's hard to put those clubs down. You, you start doing like Charles Bishop and you, and you travel with them wherever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know this. J.R. Smith, excuse me. He'd have to be one cool teammate. I mean, even the professional says, you know, all the other stuff, we can rely on. He likes to have fun. But all of them say he's a great teammate, works hard and all that. And if you think about his skill set, um, you can tell when he puts his mind on something, he does it. He started coming out very athletic, made himself an outside shooter, dangerous, won championships, played a good person in the locker room to get it done. So I can imagine if he's able and allowed NCAA to play on a and golf team, Coach brings him in. You're talking about one heck of a teammate. Um, he would have to be pretty cool to be busting around, getting some perspectives and learning back and forth. And in the classroom, boy, I tell you, uh, watching him focus on his book, some of those conversations and dialogues that come up, that would have to be uh, <laughs> really intriguing in terms of fellow students, particularly from the professor side. That would be interesting as well. Let me give some shout-out to some of the folks that have joined us. Uh, make sure that we give them the I love Keith Martin, 
Uh, Chuck is uh, giving us some, some love with Alan talking about sounds like the better show with them hot mics on. So they got a little bit of backdrop there. So that's uh, that's what we do. Y'all heard. I, we told you before, some of the conversations off the mic are the ones that get really intriguing. Kay Johnson says, time for class, no doubt. <laughs> Charles and Mike told all their little secrets. I was laughing. I'm glad I was gone. Bulldog Nation. I know I, I'm going to have to tell, find out what all the people said because what y'all really said about me off the mic now. I know. <laughs> White Moore says, good evening, Dean. Did your review, your professors via your class camp? You no doubt about it. You know I was checking them out. It was quiet. Make sure that they understood the assignment. But as adjunct professors and coming into the lab, I thought they did a heck of a job. We'll let y'all grade them. How about that? <laughs> G. Boom Holly says, it's getting closer to the opening of HBCU football in Atlanta with the Swag Miak Challenge. No doubt that should be a good one. Karen Griffin is checking in from Southern California, as always, representing as she does. Akuria Arnold, Carl Edmund, a couple other ones have joined us. Alan Malone, Stephen Gaither says, ooh-wee. Joseph Anthony Goodwin is watching. Who else we have in here? Stephen Gaither giving that shout-out to Winston-Salem State University. I thought Stephen A. Smith did a great job with his com- comments talking about J.R. Smith and making sure that he's like, he went to the wrong university. He should have went 40 miles there. <laughs> Chad Cooper says, good evening, professors from Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Uh, Jerry Boom. He says, go Jags, obviously. Let's see what else we got here with some other folks before we get back into it. Jerome G. Sutton says, hello, everyone. As we said, all in the house, keep them coming. Make sure we get some of the great stuff out there. Let me go to you, Charles. What direction did you want to go in discussing some of the hot news out there? What has, What is on your mind at this yeah, time? Well, no, no doubt we're going to uh, obviously uh, talk football going into the fall season. But uh, today, uh, the soccer uh, uh, got their predicted order of finish uh, coming out of the SWAC office. And Alabama State was once again tabbed uh, to win the SWAC uh, in terms of women's soccer. 2021 SWAC women's soccer regular season is set to begin this week with several uh, league teams in action. The 2021 SWAC women's soccer tournament will be held November 4th through the 7th on the campus of Prairie View A&M University. So the predicted order of finish from 10th back to 1, uh, Mississippi Valley at 10, UAPB at 9, Alcorn 8, Texas Southern 7. Southern comes in at six, PV comes in at five, Jackson State four, Alabama AM at three, Grambling number two, and uh, Alabama State Lady Hornets. They are predicted to win uh, the SWAT women's soccer uh, uh, regular season. Let me stick with you, Charles. Do you agree with that analysis they got in terms of the team picked at the top or anyone outside of the top 10 teams you say uh, may be more in the hunt than what they picked at? Uh, you know, uh, I, honestly, I, I do think Grambling and Jackson State can, can pose a bit of a challenge to Alabama State, but Alabama State, they've been the gold standard uh, for the past couple of seasons with regards to women's soccer. Let me shift over to you, Mike, and th- thoughts of that. Uh, what were your thoughts in terms of the preseason ranking coming in? No, I kind of I kind of agree with CB. I kind of look at history, and you look at look who has been, you know, in the top. 
you know, uh, Alabama State's got, you know, their preseason uh, top picks. They've got a couple coming. Uh, Gramlin has been strong at times, been very cyclic. So, um, but I think the gold standard has, has been, you know, the, the, the chosen team. So uh, I, I don't think, I do, I do think, um, and that's Alabama State. Um, but if you look at the preseason All-American picks, it's a very mixed list as, as, as well. So, you know, you got actually more players from Grambling and Prairie View that are picked uh, in first preseason first team All-American, which is very interesting. Using when you have a team that's picked as the preseason favorite, that means that team typically has a number or a plethora of players picked, picked in the preseason um, all-swag team first or second. And here you have quite a few Grambling quite a few Prairie View A&M. As a matter of fact, an abundance of Prairie View and Gremlin A&Ms. So, and, and I think that, I thought that was very interesting. Historically, the last three or four years, Gremlin State has been very competitive. But uh, I, looking at the number of Prairie View players on the preseason all-swag teams, first and second team, you, uh, it looks like someone is looking at Prairie View and saying maybe they should have been ranked a little bit higher than five. But I, I do agree with the Alabama State pick just based on past presidents and their performance. No doubt about it. When you think about that, the thing that uh, jumped out to me is obviously Howard. We heard about that officially. Howard is no longer in the league that took place during the COVID um, last season and went into it. The other thing, obviously, Bethune-Cookman and family are not playing women's soccer. So those teams are not ranked in there. So I thought that was interesting as you get lathered up and excited about everything else. That'll be a little different from volleyball. But, uh, Charles, what are your thoughts? Uh, I wanted to ask what, what conference did Howard go to? Howard went to um, NEC, North East okay. Conference, I believe. Okay. Uh, they came in there. They got support about moving forward there on the women's side. I think both the men's and women's and maybe a swimming as well. But they ended up taking about five sports over to the NEC, I believe it was. Sure. Uh, those sports all together over there. Remember, you still have South Carolina State that has women's soccer as well as Delaware State, if I'm not mistaken, are the three. So you do not have um, MEAC offering a conference sport in terms of women's soccer, and that's why previously for a couple of years you saw Howard doing that. Um, but I thought that was a fascinating perspective. It'll get a little more interesting for volleyball because you will see Bethune-Cookman and FAMU in terms of that area. So that was a one fascinating thought I had there. Before we get into it, we'll stay with the SWAC in terms of a new era, uh, and we'll discuss a little bit on the other side, the new era under UAPB Chancellor taking over um, the leadership in terms of swag. I want to get your thoughts on that, but stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. With my- yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. 
I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep half. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a loss, yeah. And who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. Press the analytic data with your hip hop, if you know him like I know him, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a loss, yeah, and who the ball, ball, ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, because he gonna teach a lesson. Six seconds. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, bringing you live. And as we said, SWAC is moving in a new era. Uh, Dr. Andrew Eugenie, uh transitioning as he's retiring, but he ended his two-year stint as the chair of the SWAC Council of Presidents and Chancellors and the second vice chair stepping up uh, in that role, which is Chancellor Alexander. I thought it was fascinating how they really did a great job in terms of some of the uh, things that took place under President Eugenie. The expansion was one of the big ones. That was a nice kudos to check off the box as you coming out of the conference. Uh, but those don't know, Dr. Lawrence Alexander, University of Arkansas, Pamela, I have to put this out there. He is a man of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. So he knows a little bit about something about that old six. So, you know, I'm excited about having him in the leadership role. Quote, over the course of the leadership, Chancellor Alexander has shown a steadfast commitment to the forward progression an advancement of our student athletes and the league membership SWAC Commissioner Dr. Charles McCullough said. He also stated, we look forward to working with him to further enhance our brand and all facets while simultaneously improving the overall quality experience for all of our student athletes in the 18 sports which we currently sponsor. We get into this a little more, and this is a chance we'll get to mix it up because I think it's going to be intriguing um, as you can send to see the churning. We see it obviously. Uh, FCS level, SWAC expansion of Bethune-Cookman and FAMU, but we see it with the other conference, OVC, down to 17s. You still have the Atlantic Sun. They have five teams, so they're looking to get the six. Will they end up getting another Big South school? Will they get another OVC school? Um, you know, Magnus is out there. Are they going to stay in the Southland? Are they going to move over to the WAC, or are they going to find a way to come over to the Atlantic Sun? So I wonder how all that's going to foot. You know, you take another school that leaves out of the um, any of those conferences, specifically OBC. What does that do? You get down to 16s, does Tennessee State or some of the other schools in OBC, do they start thinking differently? Uh, is the SWAC going to be looking forward to expand past 12 with Chancellor Alexander if somehow Tennessee State comes to the table? We talk about these super conferences, 14, 16, SEC. Is that something? And that that's just food for thought. I haven't heard any word of that, but um, I'm not would not be surprised if you see the other schools in terms of the other conferences in terms of the OBC or the Big South or the Southland uh, in terms of losing another member. So I'm intriguing to get your thoughts first on Chancellor Alexander taking over the role 
of the chairman of the SWAC Council of Presidents. We got a little more input in terms of seeing them in action in terms of expansion. So let me stick with you, uh, Mike, first in terms of your thoughts on that. And then what happens if the dam breaks and another team leaves the OBC or the Big South or the South? So, you know, with regard to, you know, Dr. Alexander um, uh, taking over the chairman, I, he's has a, I, I agree, he has a demonstrate demonstrative background, but you wonder kind of what's next in the kitchen. You know, mm. he's been there. He's worked under Dr. Hugini. He's worked under that regime. But, you know, and he's been there for conference expansion, if you will. He's been there for the branding. He's been there. For, but you wonder, you know, coming in, what's next on his agenda and plate? Is it additional expansion? Uh, uh, are there other branding? Uh, what's the next step in the branding of the SWAC? Because the Council of Presidents, they have a big say-so in that. Um, so you wonder kind of what's next on the agenda. You, you, you probably have to know that he was probably chosen and, and as part of the process, he had to come to the table with some of his his own ideas that he's picked up and, and put in his pocket while serving under Dr. Houdini. So, uh, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, what, you know, what's the direction now? I know folks that are inside that room have a better idea, but uh, this, is a, this is an exciting new direction for the SWAC by far. And the Council of Presidents plays a big part, don't? And, and Dr. Gaville, and you probably know this better than I do, far better than I do. You know that you know they have the ultimate say say so in a lot of matters. They are the major stakeholders. You know this as well, Bishop. So you wonder, you know, kind of what's their direction in terms of the SWAC, you know, or the SWAC athletic programs and the SWAC as a whole, their branding, their program. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of curiosity, but there's a lot of excitement from my perspective with that. So, mm. and I'll tell, you know, as far as the OBC, who knows, <laughs> so, you know, if they, if they, if they lose one, who, you know, where would that person go? Who would that pick up? That seems to be a big puzzle piece. If you, if you look at what's happening across the college landscape, I mean, I don't, who knows where they're going to go. Uh, my bigger question is, you know, will they delve further into the HBCU ranks, I guess. Mm. And how will that impact the HBC, the CIAAs of the world? And maybe even potential, I don't know, maybe the SIC, but maybe the CIAAs of the world. Would there be relationships? Would they reach out to any of those uh, institutions as well? That's that's the question that comes to the fray. There's plenty of schools they can pick, so, pick from, but you know, where, where, you know, in terms of the HBCU ranks, who would they pick from? Or is there an interest? Uh, at Linux, uh, at Linux Con conference as well. Is there an interest in any other HBCU institutions that you know has a reverberating effect on you know either the MEAC or the CIAA? That, those are my questions. Great questions, uh, Charles. Thoughts, or did you want to answer any of those questions that Mike put out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I could echo it better than what Mike said. Uh, uh, this is an era of of of, of conference churning as, as we, we've talked about. And this is, uh, we're talking about SWAT in this upward trajectory and you want to be sure that under this new leadership that it continues and it's in this same upward track. And I think those are questions uh, that, that, you know, strategic questions that have to be asked. Uh, uh, will expansion continue to be on the table in this era of uh, what some might say is super conferences? And are there schools out there that add to the brand value of the conference. Uh, the, the question becomes, 
uh, are, are there marketable uh, institutions out there that that you know television is going to be a huge uh, piece of the uh, pie going forward? So you look at those those sorts of institutions if there is ex- expansion on the table that that sort of uh, are appealing to to uh, a television viewers. So uh, it could go in in any direction uh, in, in that regards. Whether you're talking about uh, a predominantly white institution or uh, if you're talking about another HBCU, uh, these are all questions that. Uh, th- this new uh, leadership is going to have to tackle, and we're we're getting into just a different era, post-COVID era. Name, uh, image, and likeness are part of the packaging now. So uh, there are so many things within the gumbo that uh, this this uh, council of presidents are really going to have to kind of take a look at the gumbo and count and and you know decipher where this conference needs to go because it's such an exciting time. Uh, especially when you take a look at uh, student athletes that are looking at HBCUs once again. This is a very, very pivotal time within the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Let me add a little more on that. You know, obviously there was talk about FBS, so now we see even more changes with the FBS. We see the NCA having a meeting in terms of rules. What are your thoughts in terms of how that may things may play out in regards to those things on the table and thought process there, sticking with you, Charles, what, how does that fit into this dynamic in terms of everything is changing so much and so fast, right? Well, I mean, I think the next question is, where is the money? Is, is the money at, uh, at, at the FBS level? Uh, are, are there, you know, that's a question that I, I'm very curious about. Uh, we have the Celebration Bowl, but is there the opportunity for once you move up to the FBS level? Are there other bowls that uh, that are that are available now to the conference where uh, more teams can be showcased than just the conference winner? So you know, it's, it's all you know questions that kind of have to be uh, examined over the next three to five years. Great points when you talk about FBS. It opens up to not just one bowl. Uh, multiple bowls, if you're able from a conference leadership perspective to get the multiple bowl tie-in. Yeah. Currently, we have the one tie-in, and we have the at-large bid to the playoffs, but obviously you see that becomes a little more challenging when you get selected for that uh, versus the automatic selection into a celebration bowl at the FCS level along with the MEAC, or if you go up to the FBS level, now you have the ability to negotiate multiple slots you know are you able to now go play a Sun Belt in terms of a conference and finding the second team in the Sun Belt or third team in the Sun Belt playing champion of the SWAC and then the second team in the SWAC playing a team in terms of the MAC if you would and so that could be fascinating to see how that would look on multiple levels um, and how does the conference navigate this space also Mike, you can jump in on that component of it, but more so in terms of the NCA. Do you have indication or gut feeling of where you see the NCA going with the summer meeting, emergency meeting, if you would, uh, in terms of how that may play out on the landscape since we're talking about the conference changing and things churning before we get in earnest into the slack football season? And we'll bring that up on the second half of the show, getting a little more talk about uh, what are some latest and greatest as teams hit the practice field? What are you hearing and seeing? We'll talk about that after the break. But before they do that, let's stay on the business side of this, um, rule side of this, the governor side of this. 
what are your thoughts in terms of the NCAA? Yeah, with their meeting, my gut feel is two things will be on the table. Number one, name, image, and likeness. Um, I think the NCAA is going to look hard and fast and see, you know, how can they get their their hands around this if they can at all. You know, put some, th- you know, what I call maybe even stopgap measures or reg, you know, regulators in place. To me, the other item on the table with this changing landscape of expansion, expansion, expansion. Um, you wonder if there's a paradigm shift in power where sudden, suddenly you got the SEC and other conferences being a lot more powerful. Um, you know, is there going to be a paradigm shift? And is the NCAA concerned about this? You got to know they are. You know, what are they going to do about this? The other thing is there's going to create with, – with all of this shift, there's going to create another layer. In, in the Sun Belts, the max of the world, where you're going to have schools moving up if you continue this pattern of expansion, 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 what does this mean for increased bowls? And again, how what's the NCAA's involvement in that? How do they keep their hands around the pot? I don't want to say in the pot, but around the pot. So I think those three items, that's my gut feel, will be on the table for discussion um, in terms of them trying to come out with something. I don't know what they could come out with with this name, image, and likeness. You evidently have none, lots of players already in motion and taking advantage of this. So I think that emergency meeting is going that, – that's going to bring out some interesting discussion and input. Uh, but the other thing I, I think they'll address is all of this expansion and what it means for the future of the NCA. And they've got to make this th- – this is happening so fast. They've got to make this decision fa- fast because, to me, time is not on their side. Yeah, I, I guess that's the million-dollar question for me. I mean, uh, is, has the NCA outlived its relevance? I mean, yep. is the power not just going to the conferences? And, and that's just, you know, the reality of the situation. I think it's going to – I think that's an important question you ask, and it depends on how you break it down and how do you define relevance in terms of the NCA. Um, I think the relevance of them being the governance structure rule violations, I think that's going to be lessened. I think those will it'll shift to the conferences to have more uh, power versus the presidents making the decisions at multiple levels within the NCA. We kind of seen that with autonomy, with it going to the conferences, being able to have that power. That autonomy at that point was more for those that had the money and the financial means to do it. But I think now you're going to see it in terms of rules and governing shift. The one thing that you have to be very mindful of when you think about this decision, as you asked the important question, Charles, is, is that you have the legal side of this weighing in where the NCA was pushing for legislation to give them the authority to continue to act in the way they were. They've been hit by all these legal uh, lawsuits, right? And there have been opinions that have shifted and chipped away at their ability to have that governance at their level. Uh, and thus, it's going to be hard for them not to allow the shift to come in there. Because if you see all of them making the same decisions, it's easier for legal minds to make the argument for collusion, which is certainly what they don't want. And that's what you had literally for the Supreme Court drop the mic on when we was talking about that, uh, Kavanaugh, Supreme Court justice. 
when he did that, that was really, I think, a significant point that we may not have thought about other than when it was first said, but certainly, you know, kind of going back and we seeing that people just doing the NIL, that that was a fundamental shift and a real stake in the heart of the NCAA. Now, the one thing they have that I think that it's going to be hard for them just to disappear, as we kind of hear with this madness, the basketball tournament, that's a billion-dollar um, financial money. You're not just going to see CBS and TNT to say, all right, you killed the NCAA. We're just going to shift that pot to these to the SEC or this mega-new conference. It's not going to work like that. So I think as long as they have the basketball tournament, you're going to see some relevance for the NCAA to be able to survive because that's a lot of money just to allow to disappear. No. And when you think about it, they don't really govern anything about the college football playoffs. Right. They lost that was a long time ago. So this shift for them to be being picked apart in the governance from football is no different. That just means instead of you having 97% of the power, if there's such a thing, if you allow me to use it, now you have 99%. Yeah. And if you people of power, they don't have a problem about taking two more percent. It's just in a lot of ways, I think, in American DNA in a capitalistic system. If you can get more, you get more. You don't just be like, oh, I got enough. Um, for whatever reason, it becomes in your DNA to say, well, yeah, I want more. And you push for more, even though you have to have some semblance of rational minds to be like, no, you're creating what we talk about, the monopoly. That's why we shift all this around. So I think that's the fascinating what you think about. Um, let's go to this break, and then I'll do a shout-out to some of the folks that have joined us. we got more coming in. I'm excited. Uh, so we'll take this quick break. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington Charles Bishop. We'll close out with the shout-outs, and then we'll get into a little more of the football talk. We'll start with you all and get into what you were talking a little bit on Tuesday and opine a little more. And then Charles hasn't thinking he's gotten away with this. You know, he didn't do his homework assignment. He's brought it late. He's got the points deducted. But we're going to give him the chance to turn in his homework assignment, so we're going to challenge that. We're going to back up and make sure that Mike hasn't had any part in terms of his past assignment. As he got his grade back, he might want to change his answers. We're going to check with him after this break. Stick with us. We'll be right back uh, with more on the second half of the show. Mike ain't changing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you like your grade of eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody say later, son. Professor Analytic Data with your hip hop. If you know him like I know him, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love, yeah, and read about, bow, bow. So listen to Professor, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir, and pay attention, because he gon' teach a lesson. Y
This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Let me give a shout out before we get right back into it. W. Sherman Miller, Demetria Glenn, Jake Max says, good evening, HBC Sports fans. Shout out to everybody. Jamie O. Walker's back in the house. Greetings in Aggie Pride, as they always shout out with that uh, A and T on their chest. Uh, they're getting it out. The Brian Gauthier says, it's better for SIDs to get on the all-conference lift after the season. That's a great point. Yeah, that's where you want to shine a little more. Uh, Alan Malone, if you can find a way to do both, that'd be pretty nice there. Glenn Brown uh, joining us. George Walker. Anthony Weston says, greeting everyone. Shouting out to all the folks in the house. Stephen A. Miller, Carl Edmund. Let's see, we got Jalen Riley, Ricky Burton, Kevin Crawford. So congratulations, Brother Alexander. Shouting out to the brother. I like that. Joseph Anthony Goodwin said, Bulldogs in the lab. Hashtag AAMU. No doubt about it. Stephen Gates said he is also interviewed for other jobs recently. Oh, interesting thought process there. Thanks for sharing that, Steve. Trudy Jackson in the house. Dwight Moore chimes back in and says, I hope our HBCs don't continue to help save those non HBC conferences. Great yeah. point. Yeah. It's a good Sarah Beverly, excuse me, Brent Bronson, uh, chiming in a little bit. Willie Alexander says, seems that the NIAC has owned the swag in the match up. Yeah, no doubt. You can't argue about the record. NIAC swag challenge and the celebration bowl. Only thing about the celebration bowl, they it was A&T that had to hand. Obviously, they were a member of the MIAC, but it wasn't the collective MIAC. It was MIAC as the conference of one representative. Now, if you look at the NEAC Swag Challenge, it's been several different teams. So hard to make the argument there. But point well taken. Aaron Beavers. Uh, Dwight Moore says, I hope we can start demonstrating where the colder water and greener grass is truly located. Woo-wee. Oh. Drop the mic on that one. That was pretty nice. I have to remember that one. Aaron Beavers says, maybe the Sun Belt with Georgia State and Southern brings in the local Georgia HBC. You've always been interesting if it were possible. You talking about that would be fascinating because if you bring it in a Georgia HBCU, they moving from Division Two, skipping FCS and all the way to FDS. So that would be fascinating to see that transition. And you can only transition one level at a time. They won't let you any longer go from Division Two to FDS. You used to be able to do that. That is a rule against that now. So that's fascinating when you think about it. Great comments. Michael G. Jones jumped in here. I think that if you bring in Let's say Southeast Louisiana, which is in the SWAC landscape, uh, happens to be a, uh, to, to the CV is the time to bring in a, he says PWI, I call it historically white college. I think the HBCUs, as we've done the student, have always been open to historically white colleges. So I think it's important to make sure that we put that out there, that there's only been a couple of times where you had HBC, I mean, historically white colleges that had interest in the SWACs. And both of those cases you had centenary that was moving and trying to figure out what they're going to do in terms of division three status division one they didn't offer football and the same thing when you had uh pan american college out of texas at one time was looking at membership in the swag same thing they didn't have football so it was harder for them to get the vote because people wanted a full member of the conference in terms of football the other thing that is interesting to me that i think is important that we have to get out of here we have to really fascinate on the HBCUs, not just the ability to diversify for the sake of diversifying, bringing in a historically white college because it's in a footprint. 
the reason that you do expansion, I will say this until I'm blue in the face because we see it to miss over this and just gloss over this as if expansion is just a number game. You get bigger if it's a regional. It's a nice regional matchup. You expand for one reason in the conference. Either that you can find a way to decrease your expenses or you expand most of the time. The most important thing is to expand the pot. What do I mean by pot? You expand the revenue. Because if you expand without expanding the revenue, you're cutting up the chunks of pieces of the pie to a smaller portion. It makes no sense for you to do that, and you're not going to get presidents and chancellors to expand when you can't put on the table a rationalization of how you expand the pie. So nothing against Southeastern. I know they're in the region, but you're not going to expand against one team how do you expand? Is it two historically white colleges you bring in? And what do you bring in? For example, when you brought in FAMU, you were bringing in a big brand, big games. Gates were going to increase. You had a chance to redo your television, negotiate that deal. Because of expansion, fighting to get the rights back, it was easy to make that case to ESPN. I think that's just about a done deal, right? So you bring them in. Then you go into Bethune-Cookman. Not quite as big a brand, but collectively, now you bring in the Florida Classic, a brick brand that adds to your television package because now you have literally all of the major classics in your conference. So it's easy to see how the revenue pie, as you go for sponsors and corporate, has grown. I don't see that happening in Southeastern. What, what does Southeastern bring in? Nothing against the institution. I'm just saying financially, what does Eastern bring in? Does it have a classic? No. Uh, does it have a large attendance fan base? No. Um, does it even have an academic rigor that puts it out space and where maybe you can argue it helps other institutions get more grants? No, it's not in terms of that world of doctoral extensive program in any of the cases. So I don't see, especially individually, maybe you can make the argument collectively um, that, but it doesn't fit in terms of how you increase the pie. Doc. The million-dollar question I always have to ask is, do our presidents understand that fundamental key principle uh, in terms of not just... I can answer that. Without a doubt, they do, man. Charles at the helm, he has made sure he put that on the table. They were critically in terms of it. That's one of the reasons you saw um, Dr. Jason Cables in terms of being in a position to take and earn a vice president of athletics role because he was integral in the decisions that Charles played in terms of what this expansion would look like financially for the conference, how it would grow revenue. I put out on LinkedIn that there was a hundred and plus percent, I think it was over 130% increase in terms of corporations that were interested in the SWAC as the expansion took place, right? That is direct dollars that you can point to of how the revenue pie has increased. The other thing that you know that's important is when they looked at how do you divide up the conference and some key decisions they looked at in terms of dividing it out and how they set up the regional matchups or crossovers so you wouldn't have the extended cost of travel if some people had concerns legitimately about the conference spread out. So you don't see the case where you're going to see Bethune-Cookman flying to Texas and Prairie View to 
the same season over a said period of time, or filing the Pine Bluff, or vice versa. Prairie View, Texas Southern, and Pine, Pine Bluff flying both to the Alabamas and the Florida. They're going to split it up so you don't have that enormous travel expense of every year. So again, how do you reduce travel expenses with expansion or more importantly, increase revenue? So that's why I say that we really need to be careful when we're looking at expansion. And that's why I said it may even be too late for Tennessee State. And who do they partner with in terms of that? Can they make a case that their addition to the SWAT with another partner grows the pie? I'm not even sure by themselves, certainly, that they can grow the pie based on what took place. If they came in with FAMU, you had that in situation. I don't yeah. see it taking place. So I think it's a really important question. Even if Tennessee State comes knocking at the door, is it going to be open for them to take in? Even though many people would think it's a no-brainer. When you really look at the financial aspects, that is not the case. We're right upon it. I promise we got into that dialogue. I thought it was important because people put it out there. So we're going to share that in terms of that, um, in terms of what's going on there. So let me get back in here, take this last break. But we're going to tease out with this before we take in the break. I want Charles to turn in his homework assignment. The question was, which is the toughest? The six-member MEAC, the six-member SWAC Eastern Division, on the six-member Western Division. Everybody had an old pie and they gave their information. Those that were not in class for that assignment, you can turn it in now and type it at the bottom uh, in there. You will get deducted for your late work, but it's better to get something than nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're going to do the same. We're going to make sure uh, Charles gets his come up, if you would. The second part of the question, and I'll say it again, which is the toughest when you just look at the top three teams in the above now, including the three independents. So obviously, I want you to look at the top three teams of the MEAC, top three teams of the SWAC Eastern Division, top three teams of the Western Division, and then three collective of the three independents, North Carolina A&T of the Big South. They preseason was ranked third of the Big South. Tennessee State of the OVC was preseason picked fifth in the OVC, and Hampton in the Big South was preseason picked seventh. So stick with us because we're going to get Charles to get on the hot seat, give his perspective, <laughs> what he says between those two questions on the homework assignment. This is Dr. Gaville inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bissett. Stick with us so we can see Charles's answer to this time as he thought he was going to get out of. No, you come to the last <laughs> You got to get it in. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this quick break. Today on Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. No big deal to me. I mean, you want to meet in Atlanta, we'll play in Atlanta. You know, it, it don't matter. You know, we can make it a classic. Um, you don't have to come here. We don't have to go there. If they say it's too far, we can meet halfway. You know, um, we look for a game, looking for a game. We want to play the best. We don't, we don't duck and dive. Ain't no Ed Waters on my schedule. Ain't no Ed Waters on my schedule. Ain't no Ed Waters on my schedule. Ain't no Edward Waters on my schedule. <laughs> just saying, just saying. With that, Coach Maynard, we're going to let you have the last word uh, in terms of uh, Alabama a &M fans. <laughs> but anything that you want to share with the viewers, any last thoughts you want to share? Is that I want to share? 
Yeah. Oh, go, go Bulldogs! Hey, baby, y'all tune in ESPN this week, and uh, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to make you proud and uh, give you a good show, offensive, defensive, special teams, and uh, represent the way the Bulldogs represent. Don't worry, it's all a part of the game. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern for Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Course, lecture, dismissed. Press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow that. And who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside HBC Sports Lab. After we took that quick break, as I went on the outro, I had Charles on the hot seat in terms of his question. Again, let me restate it to make sure he has it clear. And I don't want to have any problems that he said that I threw him a curveball. Which is the toughest? Six-member MEAC, six-member SWAC, Eastern Division, or six-member Western Division. Then I'll state the second one when you get to it. But before I do that, Fred Witten says, too few of the HBCU presidents, chances understand athletics as a sports entertainment business. Interesting. Mm. Yep. I think more of them are starting to understand. I will say that. Very good point. Kevin Crawford says TSU helps expand the brand. They, they have a big West following that will help expand the brand into places like Chicago and Detroit. Interesting perspective. Who has, who has a, uh, who can expand the brand? Tennessee state. Oh, okay. 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 So, uh, without further ado, Charles, we got some folks out there that is quickly saying this. Troy Lamont says Swack East. He also says Swack East for the top three. Barrett Williams, he continues with his Swack West. Brian Gautier says, and that's brother Brian Gautier, former president of Ada Lama, says, no, sir. I get a lot. I'm a rattler. No hate. Much love to the J5. Wow. Stephen Gaither says it may be the CIAA North. He's sneaking in. I like that. Uh, we all uh, have to bring uh, Tell Stephen I like the answer, but that was not the question. <laughs> was not in the question. I like it, though. But we did tell him last time that we were going to add that in there. We were going to okay. do a breakdown of the mid-majors between the CIAA and the SIC. Okay. He's getting ahead of us. CIAA North, he says Bowie State – Virginia State and Virginia Union were all national ranked in the D2 in 2019. Great point. Yep. And great caveat to add on to it. Alan Malone says Swack West. Got some folks that jumped in here, put back on what they said. Alan Malone says, you're silly. Edward Waters going to be branded for years. Nice. Um, in terms of shout out to Dr. Roderick Byron Holmes, calling out him by his full name. Uh, with that, let me get back into and allow um, Charles to answer. Before that, Mike D just says Swack West, Alcorn, Gramlin, SU, and PV. He sneaks PV in that uh, top three with four teams in terms of that. Or is he saying that's the, his overall answer? I apologize um, in terms of that. Kevin Crawford says Swack East is the toughest. Charles, what do you say? Do you hear uh, what yes. the other – Colleagues that sit out here in the class lecture today, what do you have for us as you see I'm leaning over to get into your answer? I, with bated breath, I wait. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, the addition of Alcorn to the Swag West uh, tips the balance into the Swag West's favor. Uh, that that being said, uh, the reason why I'm not seeing the Swag East at this point right now is I just don't have the the, the data available uh, for the teams in the Swag East. I think Alabama A&M uh, with what they bring back are makes the Swag East very top heavy. But we don't know what Florida A&M is without Ryan Stamp. Uh, we know they got the receivers. We, we know they got the secondary with Marquise Bell. But uh, I'm curious to see uh, who steps into the quarterback position uh, there for Florida a and Jackson State is a great unknown. We know that they've flipped out since the spring. But uh, with Alcorn going from the Swag East to the Swag West, you now have Alcorn, top-notch quarterback, <laughs> former Swag Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, you got Southern. Uh, they're loaded for bear. Uh, definitely going to be a team right in the mix. They bring back – uh, Ladarius Skelton, you know, uh, super senior, uh, and played in a ton of huge games. UAPB with Skylar Perry. Uh, so when you talk about those three teams unto itself, that's enough to tip the balance of, of, of in, in the favor of Swag West to me. When you take a look at the MIAC, a data point for me was watching what Alabama and did in South Carolina State in spring. So, you know, that, that was a, uh, a huge. Uh, win, if you will, for uh, Alabama A&M. So uh, I, I can't necessarily put the MEAC uh, on par with regards to the Swag West. Um, like I said, I, I just think when you add all corn to the mix over there in the West, I think Grambling will be resurgent as well. Um, and then Prairie View. I think Prairie View is a team that you still have to keep an eye out on. They still don't have that, 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 that victory that you can pin, especially over Southern. So I, I keep an eye out for that. But um, the Swag West, man, it, it's tough over there. It's very tough. Uh, but I think this is the year um, that the Swag East kind of uh, evens things out. I, I really do believe that when you start taking a look at Alabama A&M, Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman, because I'm not going to leave them out. They have historically had success playing Swag teams. And then, of course, Jackson State is sitting out there. So um, I can't discount Jackson State. I like the way he hedges his bets. He said, Swack West, to begin things because of what has taken place in the quarterback. But by the end of the season, he's saying there may be a clear shift to Swack East. So that does that mean that you have Swack West and Swack East over the MEAC? Or are you pushing MEAC to number two over Swack East at the beginning? I I don't have a North Carolina NT in the MEAC anymore. Uh, they they are a game changer for me. So uh, who challenges South Carolina State? Is it Morgan State? I think Morgan State, you know, uh, a very good victory over, over North Carolina a But who is the team that's going to challenge South Carolina State over there in the MEAC? So right now, yes, I, 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 with the addition of Fam, you know, Bethune-Cookman to the SWAC East, yeah, I think it is SWAC West 1 and then SWAC East 2 as of August, what, uh, 12th. Troy <laughs> is just acting up. He said, "Nice pie." Steve gave the nod. Then he says, "There's levels to this." In my big firm voice, <laughs> he's just acting. And up. you know what, Stephen? I, I like what he did there with the CIAA North. But I always say, when you're talking with those Division Two teams, I don't think they take out uh, the top three teams in the SWAC or the top three teams in the mid. But but between the three, they are more competitive. They are competitive. They That's for their level equivalency. Yeah, I give that all day. Good deal. 
I would ask you to give your thoughts on that, Mike, but I know in many ways, actually, Charles, you may be surprised you'd line up with what Mike said in terms of the entire 16 division of conference. Maybe we'll get a little more debate as we start to close up on the last part, the second question of the assignment um, as we get in here, which is fascinating. And this is going to be interesting for Troy because we bring in A&T. Um, he said last time, that uh, Hampton and Tennessee State were bringing down the independent in terms of the top three. We'll see if Charles agrees with that on this perspective in terms of now looking at just the top three. So it gets a little interesting. You get to pick your top three. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but your top three in the MIAC. Sounds like you got a little concern there because you only had a top one, essentially. You said Morgan State maybe, Norfolk there, not quite convinced in terms of the coaching change there's going to be enough uh, to weigh out, but we'll see uh, versus the, your perspective of what your top three would be in the East and your top three in the West, as well as the independence as a collective, which is A&T, North Carolina A&T, Tennessee State, and Hampton. Of those four now, in terms of just looking at the top three, what is the toughest in your area, and you can go from weakest to toughest, or you can just give your toughest. So, so the question is uh, the top three independents out there. Yeah, you put top three and you weigh them as if they were a conference unto themselves. So oh, now okay. the top three in the MEAC, your choice of what those top three teams in the MEAC, comparing it to what you perceive as the top three teams in the SWAC Eastern Division, what you perceive as the top three teams in the Western Division, and the three independents as one grouping of those three, what do you see as the toughest uh, in terms of looking at all four areas? I still would have to say that the toughest would be the SWAC West. Uh, I, I think that when you take a look at it, uh, North Carolina A&T is far in a, a, a way, uh, uh, the separation between them and Hampton and Tennessee State is a little bit too far. So if you if you're gonna you know look at the independence, it's it's A and T and, and and everybody else. That being said, the competitiveness I think of the Swag West still leaves them up there. And like I said, I just don't have the data uh, with regards to the to the Swag East teams yet. Other than Alabama A and M, I know what they give me. I don't know what um you know an Alabama State is going to give me a great team one week and not sure what I'm going to get the next week. So that that's that's sort of the dynamic that I get with Swag East. Great point. Mike, give you a chance to kind of jump in here and rebut. I think you said a lot of that, so you might not have much of that, but I want to give you at least a chance to come in on your colleague and tell me what your thoughts are. Let me make sure I'm clear with this, folks. It is the, the top three in the SWAC West, without question. Okay. Remember when Dr. Cavill asked me, I said 92.5%. If you look back statistically, 10 years, folks who have won the SWAC, 92.5% are now in the SWAC West. They are teams like Alcorn State. They are teams like Grambling. Yes, you have an occasional uh, Jackson State, if you go back far enough, an occasional Alabama a &M. But if you look at the top three, it is still the SWAC West. On uh, the, You look at the most stable position on the team. You look at the SWAC West, you look at the FAMU. Yes, FAMU has a very good defense. They have a solid team. 
They have what's the the quarterback coming in QB one Rayshon? I forget his last. Sean McKay, yeah. Sean mm-hmm. McKay, yes. You don't know how good he's gonna be. Of course, you have a kill glass, but you uh, Shador new. You expect good, but you don't know X factors. So it is the Swack West on all accounts. Course lecture dismissed early for me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not changing my answers. It is the Swack West. As far as the independence, I do agree with CB. There's North Carolina A and T, and then there's everybody else. Uh, I think I think Hampton is expected to come in the seventh. I don't think they've come in above seventh since they've been there. Tennessee State is is expected to come in fifth in the OVC. They only came in fifth one year. After that, they've been like seventh and eighth in the OVC. So no, not competitive there. The best three, the most competitive three, the best six are in the SWAC West. Just so that we're clear. Crystal clear, swag West. The best is in the West now. With as, the of, as of August twelfth, I will see that to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, Mike has come back with your license that you did a couple of weeks ago, and he dropped his own license. So that'll <laughs> do it for us. Uh, everybody's chiming in here. Great comments, Steve Gates, Troy Lamont. Appreciate Kevin Crawford giving out. Uh, talking about the Swack West, Swack East, excuse me. Uh, Ricky Burden says Swack West, no question. Karen Griffin back in with that 93.2%. She loves it. Uh, G. Boom Holly is laughing. So we got some good stuff in here. Aaron Beaver says TSU slander. Uh oh. Uh, he's not happy about that. <laughs> Number three, he has independence. So he puts. He puts uh, Miak at four in terms of top three because number two, he has Swag West. So he put them ag- above. Damn Let me get this right. He put them above South Carolina State, Norfolk State, <laughs> and Morgan State. He put the independence above them. And, oh, I got to hear this logic. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really good. I appreciate it. Great comments by all. Uh, we'll do it again next week. Check us out. We'll get in a little more of the talk, get a chance to see the CIAA, SIEC. We'll see if we can find Steve Gaither's schedule and see if he'll come in here and give us a little banter in terms of the top three, what is better, SIEC East, SIEC West, CIAA North, CIAA South. Of the four, get ready, do your homework assignment, and let me know which is the toughest overall division, and then we'll go and really make you do a little more of your homework like Mike and drop your license and give me your top three at each area. Like what you said there, Mike, kudos to Charles. He brought it as well. I'll uh, have to re-examine. I was going to give him an A-, minus, but he backed it up. So can't get the A+, plus. his paper's late, so he might get the A. We'll see what's <laughs> going on. I think Charles, Mike is leading the class with the A+. Plus. He's really putting it down. We'll see if folks can get better next week. As we'll drop the next quiz next week and see if y'all come back in and do better. Because uh, some of y'all missing these assignments. Y'all go find your way getting that F squared in the semester. Try me if you want to. <laughs> I told you I put it in. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from Inside HBCU Lab, College of HBCU Sports with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Back from assignment all the way in Nassau, Bahamas. Yeah, hey, that was good. I'll tell y'all some secrets afterwards. Uh, hopefully the mics are not on. 
we hope you enjoy <laughs> uh, our conversations getting it in great banner between those lab lectures uh getting out here and give us the information again we thank you for listening to dr bills inside hbc sports lab with mike Watson, charles bishop every tuesday and thursday right here at six o'clock p.m central standard time i might be moving locations you might find me delivering uh from a different location out of my home office these guys will still be in the home office but we'll see what's going on but Do- without Do- a doubt right here at six o'clock Do- we look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab follow me dr kenyatta Cavill, on twitter facebook and instagram that's d-r-k-e-n-y-a-t-t-a-c-a-v-i-l it's d-r-k-e-n-y-a-t-t-a-c-a-v-i-l on twitter Facebook and Instagram, inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube is inside the HBC Sports Lab on YouTube. Before I do our closing statement, Mike, did you want to jump in there? You picking on somebody already? Yeah, yeah, I'm picking on these That's comments. Don't become a teacher. But when we were on the mic, uh, we, we heard from the, the pregame show, uh, wanted to give you know Neely a, a terrific job. He came on and just wished uh, CB a belated happy birthday. He did a he. I give him I give him a lot of grief, but he did a hell of a job as QB. So um, also wanted to uh, ca- uh, 1876 sports and culture coming soon, starting season two, August 29th, coming to a stream uh, a streaming location near you. I like it. Great point. Uh, shout out to. Uh, Byron of AD in terms of the sports rap. No, he held it down as well. Uh, yep, Byron and AD as well. Great job. Yeah, no doubt about it. I did want to give a shout out to Charles in terms of birthday. I got a surprise for him tomorrow at lunch. We'll make sure that he <laughs> But we'll catch up with him. It's not tomorrow for lunch, certainly for the weekend, for the next show. Uh, excited for him. And I heard they really uh, made sure that he enjoyed his birthday as it should be. And thanks for all the lab listeners and all the folks out of the pregame show, giving a lot of, including the Southern baseball team, uh, giving a little <laughs> give them a shout out. That was a nice way to get it done. Dream big and continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon, Charles. Of course. Mike. Lecture. Dismiss. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're gonna tell you if your team, if they want a lot of So listen to Professor, yes, sir, yes, sir. and pay attention because he's gonna teach a lesson. Yes, sir.